Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. How are you going today? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Robbie. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's a nice, beautiful, sunny day out. It's beautiful and warm. It is beautiful and warm. I got out actually this morning for a surf, which was nice because it's been a bit intense Mm. around my house at the moment just with work and just getting busy with all of that stuff. So it was nice to get out in the ocean and do a little bit of, you know, we'll call it hydrotherapy. You know what I mean? That's good. (laughs) So why are you doing so good, Tash? I also went to the beach on Monday. Did you? Yeah, I went with um, my cousin and their family. And it was a good time. Nice to be out at the beach. It was it? just really nice to be out at the beach. Yeah, so good. And we do waves. Like we don't. We're not like you and surf on the like waves. Like the Mexican wave on the beach. Everybody we lifts just... up their hands. <laughs> I love well, we it. We have like this thing where who can stand up for the longest, and it, it was fun. I love it. That's yeah. great. <laughs> so good, so good. And uh, I think if, if I remember correctly, this week is the week of mid-semester break for uni students. Correct. It is. So you're probably is... doing really good because. You don't have to do so much study this week? Because I don't have to get up for classes. That's right, because you probably still are doing study this week, yeah? Yes, I do have assignments. <laughs> don't worry. One, There'll be one plenty week, of time this evening. In case anyone's wondering, one That's a week. <laughs> well, we're excited to be with you today because we have a great show lined up for you. And uh, don't worry, we won't be just talking about uh, Mexican waves at the beach or something mm-hmm. like that. We're actually going to be talking about continuing our journey through John. So we're mm. excited about that today. Continuing on with John chapter 3 as we explore the life of Jesus through the Gospel of John. And um, we've also got a testimony section for our testify segment today and we're going to be hearing from our new friend christian james which is exciting and um aside from that i just want to do a little bit of a shameless plug right now because today we are going to be giving away a book and that book is going to be given away with the code word so when you hear the code word today and hang out for it that's right and we're not going to tell it to you now we're going to tell it to you sometime during the show so you're going to have to listen yeah, buckle in your seatbelts hang on and when you hear that code word you can call or text in 0491064669 that number again is 0491064669 and the first 3 callers today are going to get a free copy of a book called at the feet of Jesus or at Jesus feet oh at Jesus feet i said it wrong And this goes through, I believe, the life of Jesus from the perspective of Mary Magdalene. Mm. Very cool. So that's what the giveaway today is. And the first three callers in today are going to get a free copy of that. Don't forget also that you can send in your questions that you have about God, the Bible, spirituality, etc. And we will address those questions at the end during our question of the week segment. So it's going to be a great show today. Hold on to your hats and glasses. We're excited to be with you today and uh, continue this journey through John. We're going to go to a song now, and that song is called The Lower Lights, Just a Closer Walk with Thee.
Awesome. Now, uh, we're going to do another shameless plug just before we go any further. Just want to remind you that you can call in when we give you the code word today, or you can call in with your questions to 0491-064-669 and uh, get a free copy of a book at Jesus's Feet. And what's that book about? It's about the gospel according to Mary Magdalene. Awesome. Interesting. So very cool to talk about the life of Jesus from her perspective. So hang out for that code word, first three callers. And uh, it has now come that time. A great time of the week that I look forward to called What a Weird and Wonderful Wonderful World World That God Has Made. So what do you have for us today, Tash? So I have some random facts about water today. Awesome. Because it's getting warmer. I spent time in water today. It was great. spent some time in some salt water. I was at the beach on Monday as well. And it was fun. It was good fun. There are a few places better in my estimation than the beach. It's a great place to be. It's a great place to be. And remember, everyone, because it's getting warmer, make sure you hydrate. And that's where a couple of my facts are from, but the rest are a bit different. Oh, tell us. Tell us more. Water is fascinating. For example, koalas don't need to drink much water because they eat gum leaves or eucalyptus leaves and they get all their their look their fluid from there really yeah you're kidding me so they can just i thought gum leaves were pretty dry well for them that they, they they can they Maybe. do drink water they just don't need to drink as much as okay like, so we, so we so let me check yeah. something out so so years yeah. ago i had my first my first koala encounter in the wild <laughs> i was at a i was at a caravan park so it doesn't sound that wild but anyway they were they were, they were coming out of the trees and this one Come, it was actually a church camp, and it came across and slowly walked across, and then it was up on this tree, slowly climbing, and it's kind of dazed and confused fashion that koalas have. And <laughs> yeah. one of my friends, uh, I think it was Peter Eddy, a lovely man, lovely God-fearing man, and he he went and like patted it, and it, it seems to not enjoy that so much, and it slowly took a swing at him. Very, very slowly, slowly, almost sloth-like. And I wonder, maybe it's because they're dehydrated, if that's the only source of water that they've got. Maybe they are dehydrated. That's why they're so slow and lethargic. That's true. I never actually thought of that. But that's probably one of the reasons. Food for thought. Yeah. And and because they usually, most of the time, they're sedentary. Even when they're sleeping, they're actually just sitting there. Oh, oh you okay. I was time, like, I was like, I don't I know about you, Tash, but when I sleep, I'm also sedentary. <laughs> I'm not do, usually doing laps. <laughs> but I'm just saying koalas, they just don't do a lot. Yeah. So they don't expend even when they're awake, a lot of yeah. energy. Yeah, even when they're it. awake. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Another fun fact about an animal, camels can last six months without water. Mm. Yeah? That's, that's Talk that, about that's convenient. That <laughs> Talk about convenient. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Six that's months. insane. I don't know if they want to go six months without water. Yeah, probably not. But this is, yeah. You'd be pretty parched. You would be I wonder how many parched. months you feel parched if you're a camel. You know, like, is it like two months I feel good, two months I feel average, and two months I'm, I'm pretty desperate? <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of crankiness. I'm just hanging out for Sometimes a- people get a bit cranky when they're uh, dehydrated. It's true. And, okay, so humans can survive. You can go- Three days. Three days without water. I which is also not a good idea. Yeah. Because we should be drinking at least two liters of water every day. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's okay. great. Now this brings us to our weird, weird water facts. Oh, please. Okay. I love weird. All right. <laughs> did you know that hot water actually like freezes faster than cold water? Yeah, I did. My oh. mom taught me this. Oh. Yeah, no, legit. So when I was a kid, oh. we, li- we moved to Northern California and it was pretty cold there. Yeah. And um, I remember she would come out and she would say, if you want to get the water off, you know, the, the, the frost, the... Yeah. Off of the windscreen, yeah. the challenge was I was I'd be like, oh yeah, we get hot water. She says, yeah, but the challenge is with hot water, because the molecules are already the atoms, I should say, are already moving uh-huh. quicker in in that state because it's at a boil. Then it transitions its uh, what's that word? Its state from from liquid molecular structure, is it? yeah, from yeah. liquid to ice or or otherwise, it it it's it it transitions its state quicker, more quickly. Huh. Yeah, I know that. Like, that's an adverb. I know that when you've been like. Um, You've been like a in the cold section of the the freezer aisle, and you've been touching like you know frozen fruit or frozen veg or whatever. And then they tell you don't don't put hot water on your hands. They say put like room temperature water on your hands. Mm. Yeah. There you go. It's a weird thing. It's By the called, way, it's called you the should Mpemba look this up. Effect. The what? The Mpemba. 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 It was discovered by. How do you spell that? Is that the African, dude's name? An African boy. Yeah. M-M-P-E-M-B-A. Mpemba. Pimpa. That's cool. Yeah, and then I'm probably pronounced. I'm probably butchering that name. That's okay. I think I am too. But I'm from America, so that's acceptable. Yeah, we we all butcher names from America. We have pretty bad pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> As a general rule, Americans are known for that. Oh, we're running out of time. Last fact: water makes different pouring sounds depending on its temperature. What? Okay, we yeah. gotta try this. Oh, we if gotta you try. This. Very closely, we should try this on air. Yeah. Hot water. And get and you to cold call in and test different. this. Yeah. This is fantastic. So. So boiling. Oh, I'm going to test this with my wife. It's date night tonight, and this is yeah. Yeah, we have exciting times in lockdown at the Morgan house. <laughs> gonna, it's probably just as exciting at your house too. That's right. So yeah. you can test that. Go check that out, and also look up online. Check out a YouTube video and watch for frozen water turning into ice. ice. You can see that in Russia, where it's very.
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio, and it has come that time of our show where we testify about what God is doing in real people's lives around Australia, and um, we have our friend, new friend, I should say, Christian James there. Are you there, Christian? I am. Awesome. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Christian. I haven't met you before. Yeah, uh, so I actually work um, as a Bible worker for a couple of churches in um, Victoria. Awesome. Very cool, very yeah. cool. Where in Victoria are you working? Um, in the Yarra Valley. So I work for Yarra Valley Church in Wandon and Warburton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Very cool. And tell us a little bit more about yourself. So you're, you're doing what's called Bible work. So for those that aren't familiar, that's it's, it's basically a pastoral ministry, working with people in the community, sharing Jesus through Bible studies and service and many other things. But what else? Yeah, tell us yeah. a little bit more about yourself. Um, I've... I'm a fairly new Christian. I got baptized in December of 2018. Awesome. Um, yeah. Very yeah. cool, man. Well, welcome to the family. It's exciting to have you here on the radio, and we're excited to hear your story. We'll give the time over yeah. to you. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. I just want to um, set the scene a little bit. Um, a few years ago, I was um, a meth addict, and um, I was suffering um, with that for quite some time. It was quite mm. bad. I was living it in my car, was kind of, so I was homeless and things. Um, once I did find rock bottom, I asked God to, if he was real and if he was out there to come into my life. Mm. And he did. He answered that prayer. Amen. And through my journey, through, through, um, for, through that process, which was probably about 12 months of um, getting healing and be, getting clean and getting better, um, things got worse. And I believe that's because um, the enemy um, really tried hard to keep me away from God. Mm. And um, um, being in that scene, you sort of, you know, you're doing, there's crime and you, uh, your friends are uh, in that as well. So one of my friends um, actually at, tried to kill me. Mm. Um, so this, this, yeah, so this particular day, we're just, together in a car, a group of us, and um, with nothing particularly in mind. And um, he started to become quite um, paranoid with me, um, which was a little bit unusual for him. Um, started talking to himself, and things were just really quite off with him. Um, we pulled up out the front of his uncle and auntie's place, and um, that's when things got quite quite real. Um he hit me and then I was in a headlock and he tried to stab me. And um, I was a, I'm a skinny guy and he's quite quite a big bloke. So I, I was completely um, out, there was zero control. I had no control of the situation at all. And um, I believe through the Holy Spirit and through angels, God protected me through that. 
um, he ended up cutting himself, um, and that sort of snapped him out of it. And um, the guy, other, my other friends that were there were shaken up too. And these guys have seen some things in their lives. And um, it's just amazing how um, all through our lives, whether we we um, see it or not, God has God is there protecting us. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even protected him. I mean, if he had have gone through with it, then that was his life down the drain. Yeah. Um, I saw him a couple of months later and um, I embraced him with a hug and he embraced me with one too. And he was very apologetic. And he said to me that he didn't know what came over him. He was, um, he said um, that he thought he was possessed and that um, it, it wasn't himself and things like that. And I actually believe that. I believe that um, there's a spiritual war going on and, you know, we might see snippets of it every now and then. And I think that God protects us from seeing a lot of these things because I think that if we did see them all the time, I don't think we'd ever get off our knees and stop praying, you know? Yeah, totally, man. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that, just that little part of my story of, of how God um, kept me safe and kept him safe and, um, you know, God's victorious in all things. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to share that. That's beautiful, Christian. Thank you so much for sharing. You know, while you were sharing that, it reminded me of this, this passage from Psalm 91, where it says, Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And it's just, yeah, it's just such a true thing, isn't it, that, God is able to provide and take care of us. You know, it's it's pretty amazing that God was able to preserve you and and your friend from the consequences that could have ensued from that. God is a good yeah. God, isn't he? Amen. Amen, brother. You know, is, while we've got another 30 seconds here, is there anything that you'd like to to finish or say to our listeners before we close? Yeah, I you know, with I just wanted to leave people with a verse from Psalm 34 verse 18. Mm. And it is and it's a new living translation. It says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in the spirit. And I think um, with the days that we're living in and there's a lot of uncertainty, especially for those who, who don't have their refuge in Christ, um, that, you know, if they were to look or just ask, that he will, he will answer them straight away and he will come to them. He is for us and he is for those that, you know, have a crushed spirit and a broken heart. And I think many of us today with lockdowns and isolation are feeling that today. Mm. And I just want people to know that Jesus Christ is our friend and we can, you know, have peace in our hearts. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today, Christian. May God continue to bless you and your ministry and praise the Lord for the miracle of your your belief in Jesus and what he has been able to do and the transformation he's done in your life. And I pray that it will lead many others to, to that same, same faith.
to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio. Hi there, it's Robbie from the Faith Experiment, one of the many presenters here on Faith FM. Hey, did you know that running a radio station is really expensive? Here at Faith FM, we're grateful for the enormous amount of volunteer help that we get. It really helps keep our costs down. But even with all the help of our volunteers, and with the small amount of grant funding we do receive, we still need to raise $700 a day to keep Faith FM not just on air, but growing. This is why we've started our partnering opportunity for you to get involved to help us here at Faith FM. We call it the Dollar a Day Partnership. All you have to do is visit faithfm.com.au slash donate and join in by clicking a dollar a day. And then we can continue creating new and engaging content and keep reaching Australia with the life-changing everlasting gospel. By joining the Dollar a Day Partnership, you join our team. You'll get regular updates about what's happening around the network. You'll get exclusive listener stories and you'll even get access to members-only content and deals. So thank you for partnering with us and let's reach Australia together. Visit faithfm.com.au slash donate to join the Dollar a Day Partnership. This is a rerun of Real Faith. Make sure you join Thursdays at 3.30 for the live show. If two distant lives are scattered If I sail to farthest seas Would you find and firm and gather
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith FM Radio. Now, before we get any further, we just wanted to say that was Brooke Fraser, and the song was called Hymn. That was right. Did you like that? The hymn was that Dwell was a, in Me. That was one. That was the one. I thought that was good. <laughs> awesome. That, that is, it was a beautiful song. But um, what we also want to tell you, I was, I was being cheeky with myself, but nobody gets my jokes anyway. Um, we're talking about- I laugh anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> We wanted to go, without going any further, we wanted to tell you about the giveaway today. So, keep your ears posted because at some point we're going to tell you a code word. And when you hear that code word, you can call the number we'll tell you in a moment or text in and receive a free copy of this, our free giveaway today. And what is it today, Tash? So, the book is called At Jesus' Feet, and it's the gospel according to Mary Magdalene. So, it's written from her perspective, like all the things that she went through. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Very cool. Yeah. She has a hectic story, man. Oh, a yeah. powerful story. And That's she's cool. and she's been there for a lot of Jesus ministry as well, so she would yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I want to highly recommend this. Um, whether you're a male or a female listener, this I think will be of great interest to you. And so when we say the code word, our first I'm looking at Shell for a confirmation. Are we talking first two? Our first, first three. three. Oh, you guys are Woo. in for it because I know this is exciting. I might call in myself to try and get a hold of this book because it sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, so first three callers in today when we say the code word. So stick around. We're going to shout that out sometime during the Bible study today. And you can call or text in to receive that and also to give your questions for our question of the week portion at the end of the show by calling or texting. 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. Awesome. Yeah, well, and, with, and, and don't, yeah, don't forget your questions as well. You said that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, please, did. please send your questions. We love yeah. questions. Awesome. Well, let's start with the word of prayer, shall we? 
Father in heaven, we just want to ask that you would fill us with your spirit as we read your word today. Please make it real and applicable in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we're in John chapter 3. And um, before we get any, before we read into it, I just wanted to highlight a couple things for us to look out for. We're, we've talked about some of the themes that come through John a little bit. And um, one of the themes that comes through very strongly is the theme of light and darkness. And that's going to come in in a very powerful way in John chapter 3 and John chapter 4, as well as throughout the rest of the book. But I want to highlight that to you because I just don't want to forget to tell you because it's, it's significant, very significant about what's going on here. And I want you to keep in your mind that Nicodemus is a character who shows up a few times in the Gospel of John, and this is just the beginning. There are two other times that I can think of where he appears in the story, and it's going to be absolutely incredible when you see where he pops up. If you're not familiar with that, go searching and exploring, because when we get to it, it's going to be amazing. So keep that in the back of your mind. We're talking about this, and these themes are going to come up. So we're going to start in John chapter 3 and verse 1. So today I'm just reading out of the ESV. Okay. Yep. Yep. We're probably going to do that sure. for the rest of the series. Okay. So chapter three. <laughs> just just for our listeners, uh, yeah, in case you're tuning in, we're, we're reading in the ESV. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. All right, let's pause there. Okay, so who has come to Jesus? This very important guy. Yeah. Well, why? He wasn't so, just important. He's he's a Pharisee and he's a ruler of the Jews. Okay, so what does that mean? So that means he's a, a Pharisee means he's a, a, a kind of like a church pastor. A, yeah, almost. church pastor. He's very learned and um, he knows scripture very well. So he teaches in the synagogue. Um, he also probably has people that that he like disciples or. Yeah, that he teaches scripture too. So that's the Pharisee part of Nicodemus's role. But he's also a ruler. So that means he's a ruler in the Sanhedrin. And that's kind of like their court or um, where they deal with um, legal matters, civil matters. And so, yeah, he's he's a pretty important guy. And how many people were in the Sanhedrin? Do we know? I think it's about 70. Is that right? That's, that's a good, I actually don't know. All right. Well, I'll look yeah. that up during, during the song and make sure that we're right on that. But yeah. it's not a huge number of people. Yeah. So, so select few. That's yeah. right. So he's in a seriously high position. He's in an authoritative position. Now notice Nicodemus is his name. And when is he coming to see Jesus? This is incredibly significant. At night. At nighttime. Mm. In the dark. In the cover of darkness. Now, why would you come to Jesus in the middle of the night? Well, it's because you got something to hide and you want, you don't want anyone to see you. This is significant. Yeah. This is hugely significant. You've got a ruler of the Jews. He's a Pharisee. He's got a lot to lose potentially if he associates himself with Jesus, if Jesus is not going to be the person that they think he is, right? There's question. Notice the Sanhedrin operates from Jerusalem. Mm. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only place that he operated, but it sounds like He's traveling around and he's heard about Jesus. We don't know if he was sent there or if he's just just checking it out for himself. But notice the way that he states his question. He says, Rabbi, he says, teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs unless that you do unless God is with him. So check this out. Word's gotten out about Jesus and the signs that he's performing. And also, <laughs> he is saying we. There's a royal collective 
connectedness that he's talking about. We know. So he's not just coming there and stating that I'm here for myself and only for myself. He wants the safety, perhaps, of the numbers, perhaps it's an indication that he was sent there by the Sanhedrin. We're not entirely sure from the text exactly what it is, but he's asking Jesus these questions. And he starts off with quite quite an, uh, a praiseworthy kind of statement. So how does Jesus answer him? We're going to continue in verse 3. So Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Awesome. All right, so I love this. Man, there's there's so much going on. Lot, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I just when, you, when you think about Jesus' conversations, especially in the book of John, because there are lots of direct person-to-person conversations, the scenes are very conversation-orientated. I've, I've never actually thought about that until just now. Like there's there's the conversation with Nicodemus, the conversation with the woman at the well, there's the conversation with blind Bartimaeus, there's the conversation with right all of these people. There's so much conversation in this in this particular gospel, and this conversation is very interesting, right? So he says, "I'm telling you, there's a couple of things that stick out to me. Number one, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, right? You can't even see it, let alone enter it." Yeah. Unless you're born again, right? There's there's some very interesting stuff going on here. Nicodemus responds by being like, uh, okay, hold, hold on hold on a moment here, Jesus. What do you mean you got to be born again? Can a man climb back into his mother's womb and come back out again? You're like, uh, no. no. Yeah. Right? What a weird thing to say. Yeah. Now, by the way, the word that's translated there for born again can also mean born from above, right? So there's there's a double layer of meaning there. He's talking about a spiritual birth. And Nicodemus asks the question that says, what are you talking about? I need to be physically reborn again? Now, here's a question. Why in the world would would Jesus use this language? And I think it's important for us to distance ourselves from from perhaps all of the understandings that we might lace upon it. Because truthfully, this this language is not used often in the Bible at all. And in the New Testament, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know of many places other than this where it talks about that statement or uses born again as a reference. Like, I just don't know of many other places where that's used. So what's going on here? Any thoughts? You got total silence. You can't have silence for too long on on Radio Tash. You got to dive in. He always just looks at me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what what he's talking – because what Jesus – it sounds like riddles to Nicodemus, what Jesus is saying. That's that's, And it sounds like riddles to the the first – when you read this at first, it sounds like riddles as well. But what – what Jesus is saying here and what he's talking about is um, this water, this born, it's born of the spirit. It's like a spiritual life requires a spiritual birth. Mm. And it's not something you can actually see with your eyes. That's why he's saying you can't see the kingdom of God until you're born again. Uh, it's like how we explain faith to children. Um, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. It's just like the Holy mm. Spirit. You can't see it, but you can see what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. And so that's that's what he's trying to because Nicodemus is just thinking in terms of what he knows and 
in the Torah, what he knows, but he's but he's not seeing it the way Jesus is explaining it to him. Mm. And we're going to come back and talk more about that after this song by Josh Garrels called Steadfast. I will build my house where the storm won't drive On a rock that does not move I will set my hope in your love, oh Lord In your faithfulness will prove You are steadfast By the words you spoke, all the starry hopes are called out by name each night. In your watchful care, I will rest secure as you lead me with your life. You are steadfast, steadfast. You are steadfast, steadfast. I will not trust in the strength of kings. On your promise, I will stand. I will shout for joy, I will raise my voice, hallelujah to the Lord, you are staying fast, darkness your light was revealed in the presence of death your life was affirmed in the absence of holiness you are still God you are steadfast steadfast you are steadfast You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Sash, and this is Faith FM. Awesome. Well, we're going to jump back into that Bible study in just a moment, but yeah. we're going to do another shameless plug because that code word's coming at you soon. Hang out for it. We're going to surprise you with where we say it today. It might shock you. So the giveaway today, if you call in for the code word, is a book called At Jesus' Feet by Doug Batchelor, and it's the gospel according to Mary Magdalene. I love that. So following along the story of Jesus and his life viewed from the angle of Mary Magdalene's life and her experiences with Jesus. And I want to encourage you, call in when you hear that code word. The first three callers today, that's three books. That's more than normal. Mm. So you got you got a moment of grace there. Hang out for that, and you're going to get a free copy if you're one of those first three callers of this book. 
when you call or text at the code word 0491-064-669. And remember that you can also call in with your questions for question of the week, questions about God, faith, spirituality, whatever it is that you're, you're pondering about could be from this very chapter or elsewhere. We would love to hear from you. And you can call or text in 0491-064-669 with those questions at any time during the show. All right, so born again, right? Mm-hmm. So I looked it up. I looked it up over the break, and there's only one other place, at least in in the translation that I searched it in, because you kind of have to do that when you're looking at, say, BibleGateway.com. Um, there's only one other place where that term is used, to my knowledge, in Scripture, that to be born again, and then those in those specific words. Check this out. It's in First Peter chapter one, verse twenty-three, or twenty-two and twenty-three, and it says, "Since." You have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. In sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And it continues on, and it calls them as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow, right? And so it's really interesting to think about this. You know, when we talk about birth— Birth is a huge thing, and it's especially a huge thing to the Jewish mindset because the seed, right, the promise of Abraham given in Genesis chapter 12 and again in Genesis chapter 15 was a promise that Abraham would be given land and descendants, but specifically, as Paul interprets it, it talks about a specific singular seed or offspring or descendant being the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Right, And so you've got this idea that's being told all the way through Scripture that there will be one who will come. Now, we are all born of corruptible seed. We are, we are born in, the, in the, a world that is just ravaged by sin, right? I was born, and I've, you know, I've, got, I've got problems with my eyes. I, I, I have to wear glasses. I've got you know, genetic predisposition towards certain behaviors that were practiced in my family, the generations before me, et cetera, et cetera. None of us are born into a perfect situation. We're all born under the curse. We're all going to die, all of those things. And so when he says you got to be born again, what he's saying is your first birth is not enough. Your first birth is bum, bum, not good. And what's really fascinating about this to me is that the mindset of the Jews at this particular point in time, and particularly somebody like Nicodemus, would be this real us-and-them mentality. I'm born as a literal, physical descendant of Abraham by blood. Therefore, I am part of God's chosen people. Therefore, I have special access to the kingdom of God because of the virtue of my physical birth. But what is Jesus saying here? One of the things that he is saying is, you, my friend Nicodemus, are not set apart and privileged to be a part of God's kingdom and to see it just because of the virtue of your physical descendancy from Abraham. This is a huge statement. This is a huge slap in the face to much of the the theology of the day, right? Because what he's saying here is, if you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to enter God's kingdom, it doesn't come because you're a physical descendant of Abraham. It comes by being born not of flesh, but being born of the Spirit. you got to be born of flesh and by the Spirit, right? Now, this could be talking about a number of things. There's one level where, you know, you've you kind of got to be born. Flesh is flesh, right? you got to be a person who's alive who can make choices, right? So you can choose to respond to the Spirit and then be born again by the Spirit, a spiritual rebirth by the Holy Spirit. It's also symbolic of baptism, right? Baptism is a water birth. It's a symbol that you are choosing to, to, to crucify your flesh 
right? To die this life so that Christ may be living in you by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, right? You have to be born again. Now, ultimately, some people might say, well, you have to then be baptized in order to be saved. But we have examples where people were not baptized. They did not have that opportunity and were obviously saved. The, the thief on the cross is a prime example. But it is a part of the, 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 the ordinances that Jesus left behind, right? Baptism is the, the part of the Great Commission. But, but the primary point that I think is being drawn out that stuck out to me when I was reading this is your birth isn't good enough. You are not qualified for the kingdom of God by virtue of your birth. You have to enter it by being reborn by the Spirit of God being put in you and transforming your life. Like, you have to receive it by faith. And just like the wind, right, you don't see the Holy Spirit. You can't see that. It's not a mark that is that is given by circumcision, right? You can't just be like, oh, I'm physically circumcised, therefore I'm a part of Abraham's family, therefore I'm saved. No, 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 no. All the way through the Scriptures, even in the Old Testament, it says, you uncircumcised in the heart... Right? You can be circumcised in the flesh. You can have a faith that is demonstrated on the outside and it not be real and touched in your heart. You can attend, you can attend church every week. That doesn't mean you're saved. Right? You can use all the right churchy language. That doesn't mean you're saved. The real question is, have you surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ? Are you born again? Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to work in your heart? Have you surrendered? Have you repented? Have you confessed? Have you believed? Have you accepted Jesus? And that, my friend, is what's being really spoken in this in this passage very strongly. And that's a challenging statement to Nicodemus. So he goes on. How does Nicodemus respond to this audacious claim that Jesus makes, right? This is what Nicodemus said to him. How can these things be? How can these things be? How? What are you talking about, Jesus? <laughs> yeah. And Jesus answered and said, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Whoo! Hallelujah! Which means praise the Lord in Hebrew, by the way, in case you didn't know that. Um, which is why people say that. There's another churchy word. Just because you know that word doesn't mean you're saved. you got to put your hand in the hand of Jesus. I love it. Yeah. This is powerful. Notice what he says. Is he affirming Nicodemus? No, again, he slaps him in the face. Metaphorically, of course. Metaphorically, he's like, aren't you a teacher? Yeah, he says, he's like, are are you the teacher? Notice that, the singular, right? Like, he he highlights him as one of the key teachers of Israel. Are you the teacher of God's people, and yet you don't understand this? You, You mean you don't understand this? Right? Like, it's almost like you can hear that upward inflection in his voice, saying this is a basic thing. Right, And then he goes on and he says, look, truly, truly, I say to you, in other words, pay attention because I'm telling you something important here. We, plural, speak of what we know, right? (laughs) We speak of what we know. We bear witness to what we have seen, right? We know it experientially. Why? Because he's the son of man. He's a part of the Godhead. He's come from heaven to teach these things. And so he goes on. He's like, hey, hey, man, if I told you, if I've told you about earthly things and you don't get it, right? If I'm telling I'm telling you about earthly stuff trying to make sense, you know, you got to be born and then born again, right? Like duh. 
He says, if you don't get that, how are you going to understand if I start telling you things about heaven, right? If I start telling you heavenly things about stuff you've not seen or under, like, that you couldn't comprehend, how are you going to get it? If you can't make sense of what I'm telling you to now using earthly illustration, how could you understand if I told you about heavenly things? And then he makes this, this audacious claim, and he's identifying that the Son of Man is the one who, who brings enlightenment. The Son of Man, who is Jesus Christ, brings the message from heaven. He brings the understanding, the interpretation. He rightly interprets and extrapolates the Word of God. He's rightly explaining and understanding this. And then he makes a connection. And I love this because in all of these conversations, Jesus tends to speak from a perspective of the people so that they will understand. And so he quotes from a story that Nicodemus will know well, a story of the Exodus where God's people were bitten by poisonous snakes. And he said, God instructed Moses, craft a serpent out of bronze and hold it up in the air. And when the people look to it, those who look in faith, so the thing that God has called you to raise up will be saved. And there's incredible significance to that. Jesus will be lifted up on the cross. And when Jesus is lifted up, right, in the most heinous, inglorious death that could be given, right, he is lifting up the character of God, right? And the glory of God is seen most clearly and accurately depicted in the life and death of Jesus Christ. And he uses language that Nicodemus himself will understand. This is the promise, you must be born again.
what a note. You are listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. That was The Promise. You, you must, must be, be born, born again. again. That was great. Man, if you you should go back and end. I think I might have to go back and re-listen to this episode so I can hear those songs again. Those are great. We are going to jump right back into our Bible study after we do another shameless plug, plug uh, for our question of the week and for our code word call in today. What's our giveaways prize? It's at Jesus' feet, and it's the Gospel according to Mary Magdalene by Doug Batchelor. Awesome. Yeah, so it just follows. So when you hear that code word, call or text in at 0491-064-669, and you can text or call that, that code word that we'll give to you in, and you'll get that. Yeah, first three callers will get that. So call quick. Do I tell them now? No, not yet. Oh. Well, I'm going to surprise them. I'm okay. going to surprise them. Oh, I, I know some of you had your, your phones on speed dial right there. But we're going to get back into the Bible study before, and it's going to come as a surprise. All right, so, yeah, so so in this story, you have Moses lifting up the serpent, right? And the people had to look in faith, trusting that God would provide them with salvation from the venomous snakes, and they were to look in faith towards the thing that God had provided, which is super significant, because when we think about this, Jesus, we have to look to him in faith, trusting in what he has done and surrendering our hearts to him. Now notice, notice this requires faith. It requires belief, right? You have to believe that God is going to do this in order to look to this 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 path of salvation or this, this I just can't think of the right word, this thing. <laughs> to look towards the thing that he's called you to look at. And in this case, he's made, using this as a reference to say, you understand this story, Nicodemus. You get this. They had to look in faith at the bronze serpent that they had to lift up, and when it was lifted up and the people chose of their own volition to look in faith, trusting in what God had promised he would do through this thing. He says, in the same way, the Son of Man, the Messiah, Jesus himself, will be lifted up. Now, it's really interesting that being lifted up is also a phrase that's used in reference to crucifixion. Mm. Right, So this is a direct reference to what's going to happen in his death. He's saying, so too the Son of Man will be lifted up. And then it continues on, and there's, I guess, a bit of scholarly debate about whether Jesus is continuing to speak and the quotation mark ends here or continues, depends on what translation you've got, which, which way they go with that. But either way, the inspired word of God continues and says this. So let's continue and read from verse 16 onward. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Awesome. Let's pause there for a moment. What's going on in here? This is the most quoted, probably the most well-known passage of the whole of Scripture, like we we have it printed on the bottom of cups uh, at In and Out Burger in California, right? Like oh. it is it is a very well known Bible verse. Yeah. What's he talking about here? It's talking about Jesus' whole mission that God would give up His only Son, and there's been there's been con- uh, debate as to whether it is God, but we'll say that part of God He gave Him up His Son Jesus to come and die for our sins, but not only that, but to die and to give us eternal life. This is awesome, and which is awesome, which is why a lot of people think this is like the the crux of the Bible. You know, this is the the center. Yeah, you you would you would argue that Philippians is 
Oh, whatever. No, I'm not going to argue. We just have different favorite passages that that draw the point upon. That's fine. I think that this is a really incredible passage. What's really powerful here is there's there's a number of things that are very powerful. Point number one, God so loved the world. Okay, point number one, everything that God is doing is because of his love. God loves you, right? Some of us really struggle with that concept. Some of us have been told through our lives, through our failures, through what other people have done to us, through our own mistakes and our own bad choices, that we are unworthy of love and who could love us, right? This is a deep and pressing question on the minds and hearts of almost every human being, if not every human being who's ever lived. Can I be loved? And this is the statement that is started with. God loves you. Okay, well, prove it. How much does God love me? Does he really love me? Does he only love me if, if I did a really great job? Does he, does he only love me if I, if I never make a mistake? Does he only love me, right? Because all of our human relationships are so incredibly conditional. But he says here, God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Now, what's really powerful about this language is Jesus is God. We've discussed that ad nauseum, right, through John chapter 1, and it goes on on and on and on through here. And if the divinity of Jesus is clear, I believe. And so what this is painting is a picture where God himself, in the form of Jesus, the Son, is dying. He's giving up his own life on our behalf. But then it cuts even deeper than that because Jesus isn't the only one who made a sacrifice. The Father and the Spirit also made a sacrifice, right? Because for the ceaseless ages of of eternity past, you might call it, before he created anything else, there was the Father, the Son, and the Spirit Eternally coexistent, right? Like there, in relationship, in selfless, other-centered love. And you've got this reality where it's one thing to give your own life. It's another thing to allow someone that you love to give their life up, right? Would you allow, as a parent, would you allow your child to go and sacrifice their life for some heinous criminal who had done you wrong, right? The, The real honest answer is most people would say no. Right? Would you let the, the, the person that you love the most go through that ordeal? You'd probably be like, no, 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 I'll do it instead. Right? I'll give myself up. So there's, there's multiple levels where God is suffering for the salvation of humanity. He's giving his own life. He's allowing the life of the son to go. Right? Like, there's this multifaceted picture of the love of God that's being given and demonstrated, and the sacrifice of God is eternal. Right? Jesus is forever in a human resurrected body. Right? He's, he's made an eternal sacrifice and therefore also have the Father and the Spirit made an eternal sacrifice because it's different than it was before. And so this love, and I love this, this was something that I had on my bedroom wall that my mom gave me, and it just said, it said this, Jesus, I asked God how much he loved me, or I asked Jesus how much he loved me, and he stretched out his arms and he said this much, right? Stretching his arms out on the cross, that's the demonstration of how much God loves you. God loves you more than in his own life. God loves you so much that he's willing to allow the son to go and give his life, to experience eternal difference in relationship within the Godhead, within divinity, so that we we who have rebelled, we who have pushed against him may have the chance to have life. That's like, like not even he went, oh, everyone's going to be saved, so therefore I'll do it. It'll be worth it and weigh up the benefit. No, no, no. He did it no matter what. And there is a fat stack of people, unfortunately, who are going to be lost. Scripture's plain on that. So... He died for them too because he loves them. And I love that. This paints that picture so clearly. Why did God send his son into the world? He didn't send Jesus here to condemn us. He sent him here to provide us with salvation. So this is an act of love. And notice this. It says 
that whoever does believe in him is not condemned, right? If we put our hope and our faith and our trust wholly in Jesus, he says, you have salvation. You can put your faith and your trust in him. Now, that obviously requires an action, right? Because what's the comparison? The comparison is looking to the snake. They had to look in faith. That requires choice. You can't just get it by not looking. You could be like, oh, yeah, God provided salvation. That's great. I believe he'll do it. But if you don't look at the serpent, you're dead, right? And in the same way, you have to actually look to Jesus. You have to choose Jesus. And so there's this beautiful aspect of choice that's involved in this. And he goes on. And he, he says some other amazing things. But I just want to really highlight that. God does love you. God loves you so much more than you will ever begin to comprehend. God has given everything for you. And there is no one else in the whole of the universe who is worthy of your entire trust. No one else. Everyone else may fail you. God will never fail you. You might ask questions that are difficult about how God responded in certain situations or, or where was God in the difficulty, but the truth is God will never abandon you. God will never forsake you because he loves you enough to do all that he has done in Jesus. It's powerful, powerful. This is good news. And remind you, good news is only as good as bad news is bad, right? Because the salvation came, right? Salvation has come and it's available to all who choose to accept it. But here's the reality. He says, and if you don't accept it, you're condemned already. You have denied the only thing that could save you from yourself, the only thing that could save you from the wages of sin, which is death. If you deny that, you have nothing else to save you. There is nothing else. There is no other God to save you. There is only this one God. And so everything has been done for you. Everything has been done for me. Everything has been done for the person down the street that you think is is not worthy of anything. Jesus loves that person too. God's love is so great and so strong that he has done everything bar making the decision for you, because if he did that, it would not be love anymore. So everything has been done. The ball's in your court. What will you choose to do with it? Sinking down, sinking down 
When I was sinking down beneath God's righteous frown, Christ laid aside his crown for my soul, for my soul. Christ laid aside his crown for my soul. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing and joyful be. And through eternity, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And through eternity, I'll sing on. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. wondrous love is what wondrous love is this? What wondrous love is this? That caused the Lord to bless to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. To bear the dreadful curse for my You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. And before we get into our last Bible study segment, we are going to tell you about a giveaway. Yes, we have a book. If you're the first three callers, call in with your question or text in with your question. And the book is At Jesus' Feet, The Gospel According to Mary Magdalene. That's right. So we're going to give you a code word. We're not giving it right now. We're going to give it during this last segment. We are going to give it. I've been thinking about it. Ah, it's going to be good. So when you hear that code word, first three callers who call 0491-064-669 will receive a free copy of that book. It's going to be good. I challenge you and encourage you to get in there. Get in there quick because I think there'll be a lot of callers for today for this one because it sounds really exciting. Hmm. All right, so we've got our continued study. Okay, so let's continue reading from verse 20, I think it is. 19, sorry. Yeah, 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may clearly be seen that his works have been carried out in God. Awesome. Okay. The code (laughs) word is... Styrofoam. There you go. That's the code word. Thank you, Tash. You can call or text in with that word, Styrofoam, to 0491-064-669. That number again, one more time, is 0491-064-669. First three callers who say Styrofoam have got that. All right. So just looking at this, this is incredible. Five times he says the light. Yeah. Five times in those two verses he says the light. And it's incredibly, it's incredibly insightful. There's a, there's a big distinction. We were talking about the distinction between darkness and light in God's, jo- God's gospel, John's gospel, and it's significant. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. Who's the light? Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light who was coming into the world, it said in John chapter 1 that we've studied a few weeks ago. The light has come into the world. People loved darkness rather than light because their works were evil. So why do people want to stay in the dark? 
because their works are evil. They do not want to be exposed. They do not, do not want to confess, to repent, to reckon with their past. They want to keep staying in the darkness. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come to it. Why? So his works will not be exposed to everybody. So he can continue to do in secret evil things. I have a question then. Yeah. Because Nicodemus comes to him in the night. Mm. So is in this point, is he, is he also saying to Nicodemus, hmm, the fact that you've come at night is also makes it questionable. There's a big question mark, isn't yeah. there? Right? What are your motives, Nicodemus? Why are you coming here at night? What are you trying to hide? Mm. Right? There's a big, big thing here. Why, what, why do you not want to be exposed? Right? Because you're worried about, about your position? Are you worried about the, the, the prestige, the power, the clout that you have? Are you, what, what are you worried about? Mm. Are you coming in the light, searching for truth, searching for the real thing? Because what he says here is, whoever does what is true comes to the light. Why? so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. In other words, everybody has done darkness. Everybody has done evil and wicked things. The reality is the difference is, are you willing to come into the light, to be exposed for your wickedness, to be seen and to be understood, to confess your sins, to repent, to turn from the darkness into the light and allow God to expose that the only good that's ever been done in your life was done through him, Mm. right? There is no place for pride in the good news. There is no place for pride in a, in a walk with Jesus. Pride is the root of probably most sin, ultimately. Mm. Like that's the, that's the sin of Lucifer in heaven, right? You can read that in Isaiah chapter 14, 12 through 14. You can read that in Ezekiel 18, I think it is. It goes through in incredible detail, and pride is the issue at the, that stems, that all of the war in heaven stems from. And he, there's no room for it. If you want to be saved, it involves an acknowledgement of the reality of your past. There's repentance involved. There's confession involved. And this is all a part of what it means to believe in Jesus. And this is accessible and available to all who would choose to receive it. Mm. Powerful. And this is a contrast because you would expect Nicodemus is already in that position because of his religious place. But just because you're in a position of religious authority does not guarantee that you are in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not saved by by the virtue of your position or by your birth, as we talked about before. All right, let's continue reading because we're going to try and get through this chapter today. Okay. After this, and we will succeed. We will. <laughs> John chapter 3, verse 22. Okay. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Woo! Okay, so there's a debate happening, or well, in here it says a discussion. Maybe it's less of a debate than I think, but... I don't know. There seems to be a lot of debating happening in their context, with much, you know, much like in our churches and in our society today. Um, it says here, 
that this discussion breaks out about the question of purification and baptism, right? Hey, hey, what's going on here? J- Jesus' disciples, uh, they're, they're baptizing, uh, you know? Oh, sorry, he says, it says he was baptizing, right? So they're like, Jesus, and by extension, his followers, and the other gospel accounts say it wasn't actually Jesus who's doing the baptizing, but his disciples. But anyway, the other people are doing what you were doing, John. This guy, this guy Jesus is coming. He's taking over your ministry. What's going on? What's the deal? Is that okay that he's doing the same thing you were doing? Like, this was your thing, bro, right? Again, human pride, mm. right? Because we all want to be the first, or we want to be this yeah. or that. Like, you pioneered this. You did this That's first. Right. That's right. You're John, the yeah. baptizer, bro. Yeah. Like, what's Jesus doing baptizing people, right? Check this out. How does John respond? John responds the only way a person who really gets it could respond, doesn't he? Yeah, with humility. It's, yeah. That's exactly right. And he says, look, he's like, you understand. I told you. I myself told you. I'm not the Messiah. I'm the one who comes before him to announce him. I'm the one who came to announce his way and to make the make the path straight so that people could see him, right? I was trying there to inaugurate him. He says, therefore, my joy is complete because the best man at the wedding, he's not bummed out because the, the, the groom got the bride. He's cheering on. He's excited because the bridegroom has been able to receive the joy, right? He's so glad when this happens. And I love this line. He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And this is a challenge, I think, to all of us, that the reality is it's not about the pastor. It's not about the preacher. It's not about the person who told you about Jesus. It's not about the person who told you the testimony because our story is only significant because it's connected with Jesus. Yeah. Right? Our story is significant not because of us but because Jesus is in it because the real story is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Like he must increase and we must decrease. Like Jesus needs to be lifted up in my life. Don't don't put me on a pedestal because you learned something from me. Great. Praise the Lord that he was able to use a broken, messed up person like me by God's grace. Praise Jesus. But it's about Jesus. If yeah. you got if you've ever gotten anything good from me in your life, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus. Everything to do with the Holy Spirit working in a broken person's life. Praise God for that. And that's not self-deprecation. That's not like false humility. That's, that's, no, that's truth. That's the reality of it. So we need to have this mindset, and this is the mindset that John has. All right, let's continue reading. Verse 31. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Awesome. There's so much that could be said there. I love this. The Father loves the Son, has given all things into his hand. If you believe in the Son, you have eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. It just confirms the same stuff that he was talking about before. Will we put our hope and our faith truly and fully in Jesus Christ? God is so, so good, and he helps us learn how to be like him. And He cares for us 
and he guides us by his Holy Spirit. When you think of how he answers prayer, you see Almighty Alpha and Omega, Omega. He is shining brighter than the to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio. Hey everyone, we're the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson, and you can join us every morning on The Breakfast Show. We cover news that matters and do our encounter with God. We also have an intense quiz, great giveaways, awe-inspiring music, and best of all, you can have your say and be a part of the Bracky family. We're live across Australia, so check your Faith FM program for your local airtime. You're listening to Real Faith, but it's not as real as it could be. Why, you ask? Because this isn't the live show. So as good as this is, the live show is where it's really at. Join us every Thursday from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. so you can be involved live. 
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio, and we're super stoked to have you with us because it has come a special time of the show. And mm. um, but but I forget what time what what time is it? Awesome. So we've got a question in today. And by the way, the code word was, because I think there was, in case you didn't get that, the code word was styrofoam. 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 Um, it has nothing to do with the Bible or anything that we talked about today, but that's the code word. So if you, I think we still have one book to give away. So styrofoam is the word. You can call or text 0491-064-669. That number one more time, last time. 491 064 Awesome. I was like, we could say it in sync, but then it's probably harder to understand through the radio. So <laughs> there you go. So if you call in with Styrofoam, you can get that last copy of that book at Jesus' feet following the gospel from the perspective of Mary Magdalene. Um, all right. So we have a question today from Monique or Mojo. And uh, thank you for calling in with your question, Mojo. The question is, how do you explain what God is to a five-year-old? And I think that's an incredibly great question, a challenging question perhaps, but a good question. It continues and says, because he can't be seen, God is love, love can't be seen, can it be explained like that? Um, All right, you're off, Tash. Well, I just want to start with um, just developmental stage in terms of a five-year-old. So they're they're intuitive, they're kind of, they're almost learning their ABCs, um, so um, and they love to imitate their parents. They love to imitate, um, you know, what's going on in their world. That's kind of like what a five-year-old looks like. And my niece is five at the moment, and she, she just, yeah, she has older, older cousins, and everything that they do, she wants to do, even though she completely doesn't always understand what they're doing, but she wants to do it as well. So that's, I just want to start with that. Yeah, and the which I think is a great point. Let's 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 feed off that because that was something I wanted to mention. This doesn't directly answer how you explain this, but yeah. one thing that I think is incredibly important is modeling, mm. right? What, what you see of your parents teaches you about God. In fact, you know, there's, there's research done showing that people's picture of God is actually linked. Like what people think of God in their subconscious psyche is very strongly linked to how they feel about their parents in very early childhood. So if they feel loved and accepted, they have a much clearer picture of God than people who have not had that experience from their parents. Um, a father's role is, is interestingly particularly important, especially in later developmental stages, and how that relates to their picture of God. So so modeling is a big part of, of how you can explain God to people of, of a young age, right, to your children, is to demonstrate that you believe, to demonstrate faith, demonstrate that you read the Bible, demonstrate that you talk of Jesus, that you talk about God's love. That's a really important aspect of teaching teaching them about God. Mm. But that doesn't directly ex- answer the question, which is how do you explain God to a five-year-old? But we're going to try and touch on that too. Okay. And also as well, they love visual aids. So um, using like a, like a picture book with the, a picture of God and then – you know, a story that goes with it also helps because they can't understand big concepts, which is the which is what your question is asking. But abstract you sh- abstract, abstract thoughts are, that- are not not typically very well understood at the age of five. Yeah, it's and that's you find that in developmental yeah um, literature as well. Yeah, and I just I just know with my niece, my brother always like he has a a little Bible book and it's big pictures, big words that he reads to his daughter every night and they sing songs as well that go along with it and that's how she knows of God's love. So she's been singing it and she probably doesn't completely understand it fully, but she knows that God that God loves her. 
Mm. Yeah, through that. Yeah, totally. You know, the ironic thing is we probably don't, any of us, know how to understand or explain God fully anyway, which I think is just an, it's just an interesting point, and that doesn't, that doesn't belittle the question in any way. I, I, but I mean, like, the question is actually really relevant to all of us. And so because of that, I, I love what you've said here, Mojo, that of using other things to explain or illustrate the reality. So some things that could be useful that might be helpful are to use illustrations like, okay, so God is the one who made everything. That's a really helpful thing. You know, you can, you can get them together and you can get some Play-Doh. You know, we made something out of this Play-Doh or we grabbed some, some paper and some pen and we made pictures. We made them. And in a similar way, God is the one who made everything that there is. And so when you, when you can use something practical and tactile that helps to illustrate aspects of that idea, that can be a really helpful thing too. Um, other things like, like object lessons from nature, you know, you can, you can, like Jesus uses an object lesson here to, to speak to this man. You, you see the wind. You can take a kid outside and you can say, you feel the wind? All right, you can feel the wind, but you can't see it, can you? Not everything that exists is something that you can see. Well, God exists, but he can't be seen. But we can see what he does. We can see his impact. And you can talk about how, you know, the, how love is felt, like, like what you're talking about there. Love is a bit of an abstract concept, so it may be a, a difficult thing, but that wind illustration can be a very useful thing too. And so this, these are not obviously, you know, the perfect examples or anything. Um, you're talking to two people who, as far as I know, aren't parents. So, um, the idea is that it's, it's difficult to, to maybe speak from, from totally personal experience, but, but those are some things that can be really helpful, using illustrations, practical object lessons from nature, and kind of helping to illustrate those things. But, but never underestimate either just the reality that when you communicate that God is real and that God loves you and that God loves your child, those things last a very long time. Like, for example, just remember what I shared before about that thing I had up on my, I can visualize it, that, that little sign I had up on my, on my wall as a kid that my mom gave me. It was a love heart, and it was between two pieces of dark wood, a piece of paper, and it was just hung up on a nail in my room. And uh, it just said that line that I said about Jesus loving me so much that he, he, he said this much and spread out his arms real wide, right? And that stuck with me for a very, very long time through all of the, the, the wanderings that I had as a, a young person, etc. When I got to rock bottom later on in, in, in my teenage years and hit a very dark place, I was searching for answers and I was looking out. And there was something instilled in me that I'd seen in my parents, their faith. Um, and it gave me a confidence to go, well, I can go and look in the scriptures to try and find God. And that was a really helpful thing. And my parents instilled that in me by loving me and explaining to me that they believed in this God who loved me as well, stuck with me for, for very many years. And I really believe that that's a valuable thing. Last thing I would say um, is pray. Really pray, not only for wisdom, pray for wisdom and how to make it clear, but also pray for your child and pray for your own walk because our example is key. It's critical. If they, if, if kids see us saying one thing and demonstrating another, the picture that they get is not the picture we say. It's the picture that we, they see. And so we want to demonstrate the love of God to them. So pray for your children, pray for yourself, for your, for patience, et cetera, to be able to demonstrate the loving kindness of God so that people can understand that. So the kids can understand that. Um, 
yeah, nobody's too young to be hearing about Jesus. They may not understand all the concepts, but the fact is none of us understand all of the concepts. But as we see and hear, it helps to 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 make it make sense to us more. This is John Paul Kernett, Train Up a Child. Train up a child In the way that he should go When he is old He will not depart from it Train up a child In the path that she should take And when she is old She will not forsake it Try to live the kind of life You'd have your children lead Living, loving, laughing every day Taking Jesus as your guide In all you do and say Let him gently lead you all the way Train up a child In the way that he should go When he is old He will not depart from it Train up a child In the path that she should take When she is old, she will not forsake it. Let your voice be filled with loving. Let your face be bright. Let your touch be warming as the sun. Show your love, don't hide it ever. Let it be like rain Freshening a heaven Here below Train up a child In the way that he should go And when he is old He will not depart from it Train up a child In the path that she should take When she is old She will not forsake You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio, and it's come the end of our show, my friends. And uh, we are listening, not listening, you're listening to Faith FM as well. Yeah, I, think, I think I had Faith it in my FM. head. What we're about to do, this next part of the show, the last part of the show, is our application. The show's called Real Faith for a Reason, because we believe that real faith is a lived faith. So what can we take from John chapter 3 and apply practically to our lives? What do you got for us, Tash? What can you? What sticks out to you from this chapter? Okay. I look John three sixteen. You can't go past that. <laughs> well, you can go past it, but you can't you can't skip it. Is that what you mean? You can't skip it. There's, oh, there's other goodness. good stuff in the chapter. <laughs> John three sixteen. It is for me. It's the center of the gospel. 
But if for you, uh, but there's just so much there. But okay, what is the practical application? Is that God loves you? Is that God loves me? Is that God loves us? And that, that, ladies and gentlemen, is the most important part of the good news. Is that He would love us enough to send His Son to die for us. Mm. Yeah, and so it's that. And I think every week we 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 come up with really cool applications. But it's also the challenge is what is our response to that. What do we do knowing that? What do we do with that knowledge? Because um, Nicodemus knew he knew a lot of things. He knew he knew enough to be in the position that he was in. He was born into you know privilege and to the right education, and yet he didn't know this. And so, don't miss that. Don't miss thinking that what we know, like what we know about Jesus and what we know is, is enough because it's actually, we need a relationship with Jesus. Mm. It's really responding. And we've, we've said it in a, in a lot of the other weeks, but really like participating in that. Mm. And, and I think that's so important. And faith fourth, isn't a yeah, passive thing. Faith is not passive. It is very active. It's an action word. It's an action word. And we're not sitting back and kind of like, Oh, this is great news. And then move on with our lives. Great news is not, I mean, good news is not supposed to be, oh, yeah, let's just move on with our lives. It's supposed to change it. It's supposed to move us to want to do something different, to want to be better than what we were yesterday. And so, look, I know Nicodemus came in the night, and maybe that's another point I have as well, but. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. And he got a little, you know, a little slapped in the end uh, with this conversation that he had with Jesus. Um but you know, sometimes love looks like that. Sometimes, sometimes love isn't. It does. Yeah. Sometimes love is not an encouraging, kind word. Yeah. Like, like we like to think about love that way. That love is only ever gentle and soft and kind. No, no, no. Love cares about you. The fuzzy and, stuff. And yeah. there's a lot of time for kindness and gentleness and love. But there are times where you got to wake somebody up. Yeah. You know, that's just a reality check. If you really love somebody and they're on the verge of destruction, you're not going to be using just kind, gentle, passive tones, right? You're going to speak to them appropriate to the context because of your love for them. And Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus and he's trying to wake him up. Don't be caught up in yourself. Don't be caught up in your in your position, don't be caught up in your what stuff. you believe to be yeah. your privilege of your birth, right? Your birth is not good enough. I don't care if you're a son of Abraham by blood. That don't mean anything in the kingdom of God, right? Mm. Naaman, Naaman the, the the leper from Syria, he can be a child in the kingdom of God. Just, you know, while all the people in Israel were walking away and wandering away and choosing not to be children of God, your birth is not what counts, right? It's your spiritual birth that counts. Mm. I think that's a really powerful and profound thing. So, yeah, one other, sorry, I cut you off there. No, that's okay. Go for it. Did, uh, I, did I interrupt your thought too much? No. I, <laughs> one, one other thing was um, seeing and entering the kingdom of God. We didn't, like, talk about it a lot, but... When we talk about the kingdom of God, it's what the way that what the kingdom of God is like what heaven is going to be, but it's happening now as well. But when when he says to him, "How can I see it?" He thought it was something that he could see. But faith is not always about what you can see, and I think that's what Nicodemus had missed because he had read it, read it in in his scripture, he read it in Torah, and he read it everything he needed to know about God. He had seen it. But now he was talking to Jesus and Jesus was saying, no, it's not about what you have to see. It's about me. And so I think that's, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, like you can know all of the right things, but if you don't if you don't connect to the right person, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Like like Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the prophecies of Scripture. Jesus, all Scripture is about me. He says in John five thirty nine, you refuse to come to me that you may have life, and we'll get there in a couple of weeks. But but there's significance. Come to Jesus is the point of Scripture. Um, totally, I'm with you on that. Um, the, another thing that I think is really significant in this, a practical application point, is coming into the light, right? Don't let your pride keep you in darkness, right? There's very clearly in this passage, along with John 3.16, in that same paragraph, he says, those who love darkness stay there and they're condemned, right? Those who choose to expose themselves, they come into the light that it may be seen that their good works or that their works, excuse me, have been carried out in God is what it says there in verse 21. Real salvation, real true walking with Jesus requires honest confession. It requires honest acknowledgement of where you've been, of what you've done, that you need a Savior, right? You were called to repent, but you can only repent if you have the Holy Spirit working in you. You can't even do that of your own accord, right? You need the Holy Spirit's prompting to even turn from sin, to turn to Jesus. So we have to respond to that, and that involves being exposed and acknowledging the truth that our birth, our prestige, our privilege, or whatever else you want to call it, is not good enough. None of us deserve salvation. It's Jesus' merits that have provided for salvation, and our trusting in Him and His merits are putting our trust in Him to do that and to give us grace to walk in a new way of life is the only way we can do it. You can't do it of your own strength. But we're, we're called to obey as well in the end of this chapter. Remember, He says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. And then he says, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Belief involves obedience. It involves surrender. It involves a response to God. Now, that doesn't mean that you're never going to make a mistake again. But the reality is we enter into a relationship where we trust in Jesus, and he shows us, and so we respond. We make a mistake, we confess, we turn, and we enter into this walk with God that will transform the rest of our lives And so the question today, really, I believe for us, is are we going to put our hope and our faith and our trust fully in Jesus to walk out of darkness, to come into the light and confess and acknowledge our need for a Savior Savior, and receive Jesus? I hope that you are blessed, my friends. Remember, real faith is live faith.